Welcome to another edition of the Tyler and Toddy Show. We have uh, another pretty exciting week of college football after uh, an eventful one last weekend. Um, joined as always by my rambunctious co-host, Connor Caligari. How are you doing, Connor? Uh, I'm finally getting over some of the results of this weekend, man. Uh, this, this has been a long season so far, and it's, uh, it's taken its toll. But I think, I think we've got some good things to look forward to. And, you know, the season, despite, you know, however long it's felt, is still pretty young. Hey, after the rain, there's a rainbow. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a double Maybe a double one if you're lucky. Double rainbow. All right, uh, as, hurt, as painful as it might be, um, we're going to look back at the uh, previous weekend's action. Um, First game that kind of started off the day was that Louisville FSU game, and we saw kind of some sparks and flashes of Lamar Jackson uh, last year, and then at the beginning of this year, going against uh, Charlotte and Syracuse, some other teams, that he was pretty impressive. But when you see him do it on that stage against uh, FSU and their athletes, and kind of blow blow them out that way and run all over the field. It was it was pretty eye opening and uh, just just an impressive all around performance by that Louisville team. Yeah, it's, they made them look like a team you know like Syracuse that they played before. Where it's I mean it, I got to the TV about ten minutes after the game started and I felt like a lot I like missed like twenty one points. It was it was kind of absurd and you know you just don't really see that that very often because i don't think fsu is like this team that everyone just kind of overrated i think they're actually pretty good they obviously have the talent so for a team to do that uh, i mean it's either louisville's like the greatest team of all time or and you know lamar jackson is the best college football player of all time which so far might be might be something to consider but i i mean it's just one of those games where i just don't think anything helped, went went right for fsu but i mean all the credit obviously goes to louisville and um, really, really kicking the crap out of them. Yeah, <clears throat> um, it, and it wasn't just the Lamar Jackson. Uh, they looked, they looked pretty great defensively. I mean, granted, FSU hadn't had huge offensive performances save the second half versus uh, Ole Miss, but they really sh- shut down that offense entirely and um, re- really pretty strong defensively. I know they have a bunch of D one transfers from. Clemson or Florida State or uh, other places, but they they looked strong all the way around. And it, when Lamar Jackson was running that read option, it was kind of funny. It seems like he kind of makes up his mind before whether that guy, uh, the defensive end, crashes down or not, and he can just beat that guy around yeah. the corner. Like it, do, way. it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, it, and then Louis, <laughs> the Louisville set up for what? They've got Clemson. At, uh, they go on the road to Clemson, and, they, and then Houston at home, and that's about it, right? Yeah, that's that's it. I, I I feel like they could even lose one of those games and still maybe end up in the in the playoff. I mean, if they lose to Clemson, Florida or the ACC actually brought in a consultant to try to figure out that if there was actually a three way tie in the division. Uh, I don't know if they have a rule set in place or they're just doing this on the fly, but they brought in somebody 
to try to figure out what would happen if actually if Florida State, Louisville, and Clemson all had a three-way tie there. Yeah, supposedly like the firm was is headed by like uh, two Vandy grads and a Georgia Tech grad, so it's got a little skin in the game. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did notice is uh, FSU scored 20. Um, if you remember, the national championship in 96, they lost 52-20. to 20. And then in that blowout versus Oregon, they uh, lost 57-20. to 20. So, hmm, makes you think. Yeah, totally. They get blown out a lot and only score 20. They're lucky. It really makes you think. L- lucky to get those 20s in both those games, too. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Um, anyway, so uh, it looks like Florida State has a little uh, has a little chink in the armor, and we'll see how they respond the rest of the season. Um, we're gonna play one of my uh, one of my favorite games um, that you tried to get me not to play, but we're gonna play anyway. It's called uh, "Are They Good?" Um, so Texas beat Notre Dame in the beginning of the season, big victory for Charlie Strong. Then they lose to Cal and gave up fifty points. Now, Notre Dame goes on to lose to Michigan State at home last week, uh, making the Texas win look not as good. So I'm going to ask you, Connor, is Texas good? No, they're not. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> <coughs> no, the, I, listen, I, I, I didn't think Texas was going to be that good this year to go into the season. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, that game was kind of all over the place, and they, they finally showed like they had an offense, but I mean, we've kind of seen that what Notre Dame is. I don't think Notre. I think Notre Dame is better actually than Texas, but I don't think they're a great team. Uh, I think it was just kind of all the stars aligning in that Week One uh, matchup for Texas. You know, they kind of came out firing on all cylinders, and so uh, kind of some smoke and mirrors, if you ask me. But I don't think Texas is that good. I think there's seven win team, eight win team, maybe. Yeah, I think they'll they'll still be able to p- compete in the Big Twelve because I don't think the Big Twelve is that good. But, um, yeah, I don't think Texas is as good as they looked. I mean, they still gave a bunch of points to Notre Dame week one. Um, yeah. They're great offensively, but not that not that hot defensively. Which is not um, what you expected. Which, no. Um, so the <clears throat> another interesting thing in that game, the, the five-second rule, I didn't realize was a college football rule. The epidemic in college football of people dropping the ball at the one-yard line right before they get into the end zone, which is just insane. Hold it for one more second. It happened twice Saturday. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Jackson's like the Beatles of dropping the ball before. Um, well, yeah, he's done it twice. He's done it three times. He did it. He did three it the, times? He did it in the uh, U.S. Army All-American game in high school, <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, start him young. Um, yeah, but it, it, then the replay showed the – Texas player picking it up. It seemed like a couple seconds after, so that I was, didn't really understand that. Cal got the ball at the one yard line. That, that was at like two in the morning. Yeah, well, the football never sleeps. Um, so let's uh, go to your game, which uh, Ole Miss had another first half lead. Um, one of the issues I think with the Rebels, which is pretty obvious, is they don't run the ball very well. And they only had 106 yards on 36 carries. And when you don't run the ball really well, it's pretty tough to hold the lead. Um, they're not used to huddling. not used to taking time up. Um, sending the defense out there quickly. Get them tired when they're constantly doing that the whole game. 
so what are, you, what are your thoughts there? So, yeah, so they're the second to last team in the nation in time of possession. Um, I think if they just they just have to finally just kind of go with what what they've shown they are is just kind of throw it all the time. This this first they can't get into the second and eights, the second and nines. Just throw it on first down and kind of do that extension of the running game where you, you can throw the ball out in the flats and do screen passes um, and kind of translate that into into the short running game um, and play to your strengths. The defense isn't good. They're they're young. They're not deep. Um, but God, I went into halftime at the game knowing that the game was over uh, and Ole Miss was going to lose. But you take a look at, I mean, the the way the game played out, and, and it, you go back and you think they almost might have even played better than they did in that Florida State game, right? Because I mean, you gave up three, you gave up three non-offensive touchdowns. So um, you don't, you're not going to win a lot by giving up a two, or I guess it turned one of them turned into. Um, that interception, Chad Kelly had actually ended up being called a fumble, and so two fumbles for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown. So, um, yeah, that Eddie Jackson return was a killer. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, it was yes. <laughs> um, so in the uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State Oklahoma game, we kind of called it before big game. Bob ain't so big in big time games. Uh, Urban Meyer comes in there with his young defense and JT Barrett and kind of controls the game, blows them out. Uh, Oklahoma never really seemed like they were in it and kind of just defeated, defeated from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, we've, we pretty much agreed that Meyer was going to go in there and school stoops. And, I mean, it was, it was exactly that. I mean, all, all sides of the ball, all phases of the game. I mean, that Ohio State is, is freaking good. Uh, the talent's undeniable. You can call it young, but it's just one of those things where it's like they're at the position now where they're like Alabama. So they might be young and they're sophomores, but they're you know they played rep, they played scout team maybe the year before. They were all you know all world, all country, all American high school recruits coming out of um, you know, high school. So you know they just kind of are at that phase where unless they, they're going to have to blow a couple games to have a bad year. Yeah, I read an article before the game that was saying how Skyler Murray, the transfer from Texas A&M, was kind of their secret weapon because he was acting as a scout team quarterback and pretending to be JT Barrett in um, practice during the week. I guess he didn't do that. He didn't do that hot of a job. Well, maybe he maybe he was. Maybe he just burned them all week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was just blowing them out all week in practice. Yeah. Um, Last uh, last couple games I wanted to talk about um, North North Dakota State beats Iowa. They've beat uh, five D one teams in a row. Granted, a few of them were pretty low D one teams. They beat Kansas. Um, they beat a couple other teams, but they beat five in a row. And they made two million dollars off playing these games. Yeah. Iowa, who had a ridiculously easy schedule, might have run the table this year, similar to the last year, but they. They get beat by North Dakota State. I you so you pay these teams like anywhere from like five hundred thousand to like one point five million dollars, and they you just play them to fill up your schedule and to get a win. So to to schedule North Dakota State, yeah, you you got better talent than them, but they they beat everyone in their division. And even if you do beat them, it's normal. It's going to be a lot tougher game than you could have you know gotten with that money you spent. So I don't, I don't really get you know scheduling that. I, I you deserve it if, if you schedule them. So I don't feel any I don't feel bad for Iowa at all. In North Dakota State, they won five uh, FCS championships in a row. Yeah, that's a school where famously where Carson Wentz went to. But they're just a they're just a factory there. And then um, Notre Dame 
uh, loses to Michigan State. Michigan State just keeps cruising along. Uh, D'Antonio just gets gets them going every week. When they were a seven and a half point underdog, and they lose, and then they got another big game this week. So we'll see how they recover from that. But pretty pretty impressive performance from uh, Michigan State. Yeah, there. Michigan State and Stanford just kind of the two programs that. Just kind of find a way to be in it every year. Uh, it seems like the past, you know, half decade or so. So, so a lot, a lot more of the same. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, kind of a recap from last weekend. Now we're gonna get into this week's games. We got a ton of great games. Um, I think uh, three top twenty-five matchups uh, between top twenty-five teams. So the first game, I'm gonna start a little uh, Thursday guy for you guys to make some early money before the weekend. Um, 7.30, number 5, Clemson at Georgia Tech. Uh, short week for Clemson going to Georgia Tech playing that triple option Paul Johnson offense. Uh, also a week before traveling to Louisville. Um, Clemson is 2-7 and seven against the spread as a road favorite the last three seasons. They are a 9.5 point favorite in this game. What are you, what are you thinking here? So this is we've had a kind of a couple lines now that we've discussed that have been those kind of Vegas traps we see. We saw like the Auburn Clemson one. It was a Vegas trap. Uh, last week was was that like Notre Dame Michigan State. It really wasn't. We had the right idea there. Yeah. Well, Nebraska, Nebraska Oregon. Yeah. And so this, I honestly think this seems like one. It's so obvious to take Georgia Tech, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's Thursday night games get a little wacky. And uh, triple option offense at home Thursday night. Everything kind of aside from the talent on the field <laughs> points to Georgia Tech. Um, the scheme, uh, short week preparing for that triple offense. Everything that you would you would kind of look at points towards Georgia Tech. And then you kind of compare the talent on the two teams. And Clemson has so much talent, even though it hasn't been performing that well this year. Um, it. it it's got. It seems like uh, Vegas knows something. Is trying to put because normally, if if this game was on a Saturday at like a normal time, not a night game in Atlanta, you'd feel like Clemson would be favored by at least a couple touchdowns. Yeah, and then and it's a triple option team, and it kind of goes if they're playing one of these superior teams, and they normally are superior. That's why you're running a triple option, um, but it's it's one of those things where they control the ball so much that it's. They either like lose by a field goal, win, or they get completely blown out because they're either not moving on offense or they're milking the clock and having some success on offense, and the game kind of stays tight. Honestly, I'm gonna fall for the trap. I, I think Clemson's gonna win just because I just can't just sit here and say Georgia Tech's gonna win because I really haven't watched them. Um, I, I hear a lot about them on the radio, and, and I've seen plenty of Paul Johnson um, teams and games played, and I, and I know they're better than last year, but. Um, I, I'm going to take Georgia Tech in the points, and I think Clemson wins. I'll be at wing night with the fellas, uh, a couple, <laughs> have a couple frat snacks, and and um, you know go ramble and wreck. Yeah, I'm actually starting my bocce league tomorrow, so mm. it's pretty professional. We're the Chinese finger traps. Yeah. That's the name of our team, and so I'm going to get the first half of this game in. Uh, record the second half. Go watch. Go play my bocce, get some dubs, and then come back and uh, watch the second half as I fall asleep. So, uh, <clears throat> we'll be a we'll be a pretty pretty interesting Thursday nighter there. Yeah, absolutely. So take take Georgia Tech to get some cash flow going into the weekend. Um, first game on Saturday, 
Uh, noon game again for FSU. Uh, FSU at 13 FSU at USF. Uh, Florida State is a six-point favorite. So uh, FSU no longer controls its own destiny. They allowed a school record 63 points at Louisville. Last week, USF was down 17 nothing against Syracuse, but they came back and won 45-20. Um, do you think FSU is going to be angry and blow out USF, or do you think they'll come in with a Louisville hangover and let USF hang around? What are what are your thoughts there, Connor? Man, you really think, it, looking back in hindsight with FSU, that they really had everything set up to make a run this year, and they still can because they only lost one game. But you got the game in Orlando that's technically a neutral game. It was a home game for them against Ole Miss. This game in USF, I mean, it's at Raymond James, uh, which isn't the biggest stadium in the world. But you got to think FSU is going to draw. 50% of the crowd, you'd think. Um, and it's not a long road trip. So you kind of look back and you think, wow, they, they kind of squandered an opportunity. Their one tough away game at Louisville ended up being very tough, obviously, in hindsight. Uh, the, I think this line opened at FSU minus four. And you kind of think, okay, well, that seems obvious. But then you watch USF play. They can they can score some, some points. Yeah. Um, They've got you, another athletic quarterback that can cause FSU's defense some troubles. Yeah, and so – um, I liked it a lot better at minus four because I think FSU is about a six-point favorite, which is where it's at. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give FSU the benefit of the doubt to cover. I think they can win by a touchdown or more. Um, I think it's maybe a uh, since it's a new game, they come out with a little bit of a lull. Uh, but you know, ultimately, the, the talent will win out. You know, when you bang against each other for so long, normally the the more elite, talented team turn, tends to come out on top and. Um, USF can score points, but they don't have a guy like Lamar Jackson. So um, give me FSU and to cover. Um, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. USF was 3-1 and one outright as a home underdog last year. I think the loss of Derwin uh, James for FSU was a lot bigger loss than a lot of people thought. And uh, I think that they still have, have trouble containing USF's offense. I think USF will keep it close, and FSU will probably squeak it out there with a baby Aguayo at the end with a field goal. But I'll take the points with USF at home. Okay, disagreement city. Yeah. Um, next next game here, we got another noon game. Uh, Georgia at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite. Um, Hugh Freeze, as you know, is pr- pretty good against the spread at home. Nineteen, ten, and one. Um, Covered last and I week. I think last. Yeah, this. I think despite the loss, uh, Chad Kelly was really balling last week. He was throwing the ball really well. Uh, Georgia squeaked out a last-second victory over Missouri. Isaiah McKenzie was really nasty last week. I think he had two. Uh, rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown, but I think Georgia's just wildly overrated. I really can't believe they're 12th in the nation. They really haven't beaten anybody. I don't think UNC is very good. Um, they're really inexperienced at quarterback, on the coaching staff. They have a terrible offensive line. They have bad special teams. They don't have a lot of depth. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to kind of take out some frustration against the Bulldogs, and I think they blow them out and cover at home. 
Yeah, I, I think Chad Kelly's going to have his way. It kind of goes to show you how Vegas, how different Vegas thinks of these teams than, you know, the public. But uh, to give the public or, uh, you know, the voters credit, you don't see normally teams that are one and two stay in the top 25. And so they, they realize the teams almost has played against and, you know, the offense that they were able to put up against them. You know, almost, uh, you know, they've kind of had their way with most of the teams they played on offense this year. I think they'll do it again with Georgia. You know, almost his strength on defense is their defensive line, and they're actually their defensive line is actually really, really good. Um, but Georgia's offensive line, I, I heard on the radio, has given up like something like sixteen sacks already this year, um, and they're yeah. not playing against, and they haven't played like an Alabama or an Ole Miss or a Georgia or a Florida. You know, they've played um, they played North Carolina and Missouri, uh, and so. Yeah, I, I, th- I tend to think seven points is a lot coming off that and loss. Nor- and Norfolk. Norfolk, who could forget? Um, <laughs> you, you you tend to think that's a lot of points coming off of it. But, I mean, I, what scares me is, is that you think Ole Miss will go out and blow them out, and then they'll probably be up by 21 in the first half and then blow that lead. So uh, I'll, I'm going to agree with you and take Ole Miss to cover the points. But, God, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see anything else. I'm just – thank God it's a noon game. Get that Get that thing over with. All right, uh, the next noon game we have here is um, 11, Wisconsin at 8, Michigan State. Michigan State is a a 5.5-point favorite. So uh, these two teams have big wins in the early season, Wisconsin over LSU and Michigan State over Notre Dame last week. Um, What are your thoughts here for this game? Yeah, to be honest, um, in this one, I wouldn't really. I don't think I'm going to bet it at all. It's like a. It's a game. I, I don't think I know enough about both the teams. Obviously, I watched the LSU Wisconsin game, but that game it was just a little bit more of what LSU wasn't able to do. I think than more of what Wisconsin was. Uh, Wisconsin's been a good team. Like even since Bilma's left, they've always kind of been the same team. They've kept the same identity. Um, I, I think Michigan State's pretty good though. I think Wisconsin got that that lofty ranking all the way up to 11 for being unranked just by beating LSU. Um, and people have realized LSU isn't that great anymore, but still kind of want to give Wisconsin all this love because they beat an SEC team they were you know, uh, underdogs against in week one. So I think that's why you get them at 11. I don't think they're 11th team in the country. I think Michigan State's really good. I'll take Michigan State to cover at home. Um, you know, I think they win by you know a touchdown or 10 points. Yeah, so I think probably both these teams are a little overrated in terms of the polls um, and where they're ranked. Not really sure, like I said earlier, how good Notre Dame is. They lost to Texas, and Texas gave up 50 to Cal. Um, and like you said, Wisconsin beat LSU, but LSU is pretty putrid with Brandon Harris at quarterback. Um, Wisconsin last week got a narrow, pretty narrow win against Georgia State, so uh, they they were an impressive post LSU. I don't think either team's really dominant. Michigan State's coming off that win over Notre Dame, but I'm gonna go ahead and just take the points here with Wisconsin and think it's gonna be a close game. So I'm gonna take Wisconsin. Another disagreement. All right, so let's go into another SEC game. The three, one of the. Th- I don't think it, this game's at 3.30. I think you wrote it wrong on our agenda. But it's LSU at Auburn. Um, <laughs> and uh, LSU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Auburn, which is surprising. I saw this line, and I was I was a little surprised because you see Auburn being um, you know, a favorite against Texas A&M last week. Well, maybe that's why they're not a favorite because they got the crap kicked out of them by Texas A&M. But um, LSU comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
I still don't think LSU is that good. I think Auburn's defense is good enough to keep this game within a field goal. Um, and I see, I, th- I think it's a low scoring game, um, you know, like a 17 to 14 game. And, and I like Auburn with the points. Maybe LSU wins by a field goal late and uh, on the plains. Yeah. So we, last week, LSU was a 14 point favorite against Mississippi state. And we kind of correctly predicted that it was too many points and it was going to be a close one. They get a three point favorite. Uh, they get a three point win uh, against Mississippi state. And then um, this is Auburn's really third time, big third big time home game in the early season. They had the the Clemson and the Texas A and M game. Now LSU, they lost the first two. Uh, I agree with you. I think they're going to lose the third one. Um, and I I like uh, LSU to cover this. Is that what you said? No, I, I said the opposite. I like LSU. You said you said Auburn's going to cover. Yeah, I like LSU by by three by by, by a, a safety by a safety. Yeah. By safety, all right. Yeah, I think uh, I think Auburn's. I think LSU is actually going to cover this. Um, I think Danny Etling is is going to be the second Purdue transfer quarterback starting this week. Actually, him and uh, Austin Appleby at Florida. Well, we'll but save that one for last. Fact. Yeah, fun fact. That's a game. Um, that's another game I won't touch. It's just with Auburn. I don't. I don't. I can't. I, I and LSU. Those are the two teams, um, and probably Arkansas. I mean, Danny Etling's not lighting up the world over here. Yeah. He's just better than Brandon Harris, which is a low bar. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, uh, I still like I still like LSU to uh, to do well. I, last year, um, Fournette had over 200 yards on 19 carries against them. It kind of ran over that defense. Uh, I think Auburn's defense is better, but I I like uh, LSU to kind of control this game. Uh, shut down Auburn offensively and be able to cover that three and a half. All right. Well, then a lot of disagreements today. A lot of, a lot of disagreements, which is which is good. All right. So skip it a little bit further in the day. We got nine o'clock matchup. That's that's is good late football. I love this schedule this week. Um, we got number seventeen Arkansas at number ten Texas A and M, where A and M. Um, in College Station will be a five-and-a-half-point favorite. It's actually uh, in Dallas, in Jerry World. Oh, that's right. They, that's, they play that game there annually now. Um, yeah. So in Jerry World, A&M, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Two teams I I can't. I don't have a read on. Go, tell me what you think first because i I got to still think about it. Texas A&M has kind of been the early season surprise, though. They've been playing really well. Chavis is D. Continues to dominate uh, after Texas A&M. Uh, they got a win uh, at Auburn. Then Arkansas blew out <laughs> Texas State a week after, kind of upsetting TCU. So both teams are both teams are coming in a little hot. Um, so Texas A&M is kind of another one of those teams where the opposite side of the ball is dominant on the team when they have a they have an offensive coach. Uh, Auburn has an offensive coach with Gus Malzahn. They're really dominant defensively. Kind of interesting turn in college football there. But anyway, I've been pretty impressed with that defense. I think they'll be able to uh, hold Arkansas to as few of rushing yards as as anybody can. They're going to keep trying to run the ball. The last two games in Dallas have been really close. Uh, Last year, Arkansas was up uh, by like eight late in the game. And then... The Aggies tied it, it was and overtime, forced overtime, right? yeah. And it, yeah, and they won it overtime. And then a couple years ago, they had a close one as well in 2014. Yeah, they had like um, a blocked punt, th- and and a lot of crazy stuffs happened in these games. Yeah, um, I I do like Texas A&M to win, but uh, five and a half is a lot of points. 
I uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take Arkansas plus five and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Texas and I'm kind of getting a little more bullish on Texas A&M, which I, I probably shouldn't. Uh, now, now that you mentioned five and a half is a lot, and these games tend to be close. I think this game, the way it's set up, is 17 versus 10. I think Vegas looks at it as probably like Texas A&M is probably ranked like 20th, and Arkansas is like you know 24th or something like that. Um, I think that you see that because yeah. because of the line of Texas A&M versus Auburn last week, Auburn being a favorite. Uh, now we realize that Auburn shouldn't have been a favorite, but it still kind of gives you a little sight of what they were thinking. Um, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to take Arkansas on the points because it wouldn't shock me if Arkansas just dominated the game. They've been, come out and they've dominated games before where you just never would have expected it. And then they just tend to keep them close. Uh, so that, yeah. that team's playing tough right now. they got a little bit of swagger to them. Um, and, and the Texas A&M early thing, they always play well early. So, you know, I'll just kind of go with what my gut tells me I've seen before and take Arkansas on the points. Yeah, that defense is for real. The talent is, yeah. Miles, Garrett's, sure. Miles Garrett's a freak. I agree. Um, you All right, so the last game we have here is a 3.30 game, college game day. Uh, number 14, Florida at Tennessee. Tennessee is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, so Florida, going into the game, has the possibility to beat Tennessee 12 times in a row. They've beaten in the last 11 years. Um, Tennessee faces the first of four ranked opponents. They've really struggled in early season, except people are giving them, some for some reason, a lot of credit for that Virginia Tech game that they had Virginia Tech had five turnovers against. It's the, tro- uh, the trophy have... and the confetti, probably. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, Tennessee struggled last week against Ohio. They only beat them twenty-eight to nineteen. Um, Florida doesn't have Luke Del Rio. Uh, Tennessee has some injuries of their own. Uh, Cam Sutton, their star cornerback, is hurt, and then they're getting Jalen Reeves. Maven's going to play, but he's kind of injured. Um, I think Florida. <coughs> Florida's just more talented. The, the Florida defense is is ridiculously talented. They're number one in the nation in yards allowed. They haven't allowed more than seven points in a game. Last week, I mean, they haven't played good opponents, but last week they only gave up 53 yards total, which is just insane no matter who you're playing. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line has struggled a lot. Basically, the key to Tennessee's offense is just kind of controlling their running game because you know they can't throw it. Uh, Josh Dobbs hasn't done well throwing the ball. Um, Florida starting Austin Appleby. And the, the, really, his key is just going to be not turning the ball over. I think he's had 11 interceptions in his last six road starts. So just controlling the ball, give, giving, putting the ball in the playmaker's hands, letting them make plays, not turning the ball over. The defense is going to keep you in the game no matter what. I just don't see really what Vegas sees in this line. Six and a half is way too many points. I think Florida gets the victory in Knoxville and uh, extends the extends the streak to 12. Yeah, I thought coming out it would be like three and a half Tennessee maybe. Um, so I'm surprised like you are that it's six and a half. You know, the thing that people are like, oh, Florida doesn't have their QB. But you know what they also didn't have for the last eight years was a QB against Tennessee. It, it still didn't matter. <laughs> Um, I think McIlwain will will put and won't put it Appleby in that position to really make the mistakes. I think he's really good with that, uh, and their offense doesn't rely on a ton of you know really. Um, it's, it's just a bunch of high percentage throws. You know they get guys in the space that 
they've made it easy on the quarterback a lot of the time. And so uh, I agree with you there that Florida's going to be able to have some success in offense. Tennessee last year really was just like you know double reverse passes, broken broken plays up the sideline, uh, and missed tackles on Florida's by Florida's defense. So I think Florida um, and, and you you you, you got to give Kentucky a little credit because they actually have been able to throw the ball for the most part, and Florida shut them down there. So the one defense that they have, or the one offense that Florida has played. Um, they that's been okay. They they responded really well and dominated Kentucky. So I think Florida goes in there and makes it twelve in a row. Uh, we're, we've never been the biggest Tennessee guys to begin with, and yeah, you know, I'm not going to jump on board. I'm not going to jump on board now. I think that Florida defense is going to uh, is going to smother them. But I think it's you know it's not a lot of points. It's a 21-17, 24-17 type of game. Yeah, very very low scoring. One thing that will be interesting: the Florida offensive line hasn't played that well either, and. Derek Barnett's the just the beast there on the Tennessee defensive line. Yeah. Um, well, how's uh, Appleby? Appleby at least is a fifth-year senior, so he's not an inexperienced freshman being thrown to the wolves there. But it'll be interesting to see if he gets some pressure and has some turnovers early. Does McIlwain stick with him or maybe throw in one of the true freshmen? That'll that'll be Florida's backups. So I think there's a, that being said, there's a ton of good football Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. Both of us will be back in our favorite spot, uh, the couch, watching all the games Saturday. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great week. A lot of mimosas, a lot of couch. <laughs> I going to say something. A lot, a, lot of of, a lot of something I, I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that being said, I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, and you can follow us on uh, Twitter for our thoughts. Uh, I am at Fabush T, and he is at Connor Caligari. Um, and signing off this week, I'm Tyler Fabush, and he is Connor Caligari. See you later, fam. Oh, see ya, fam. Adios. <laughs>